Fear, Summer League, and Seth Greenberg. It's Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm J.P. Chunga on the Utah Jazz Podcast Network, presented by First Colony Mortgage, the official mortgage lender of the Utah Jazz, and MLS number 3112, Equal Housing Lender. Sphere was crazy. When I tell you crazy, think about a giant basketball that also turns into the moon, that also turned into a pumpkin at various points during my stay in Las Vegas. It was mysterious. I don't know how it got there. I don't know what's going to house. It's strange. And it's like the 15th strangest thing that you see when you're in that city. But it's still pretty strange. And Vegas Summer League, you're going to see strange people there. Like I had some strange conversations because I ran into people who I didn't expect. I ran into a player who was on the New Orleans Jazz. And we were talking about being coached by Elgin Baylor. Oh, you know, just one of the top 25 players, top 10 players at that point when he retired of the sports history. He's going to be my head coach. And not only that, I idolize him, and he's going to jump into practice when we mess something up too many times. That's who his head coach was. It's only comparable if Carmelo Anthony became a head coach tomorrow or Dwayne became a head coach tomorrow. It's wild. And then, not only am I able to talk about Elgin in one conversation, I'm able to talk about Dwayne's Hall of Fame in the next. I'm talking to Joe Ingles about his move to Orlando. The basketball is going to be easy, but how's his family doing, right? Like, what did he do to make sure that Jack and Jacob are going to be comfortable? How's Jacob going to do finding a new school? And apparently that was one of the draws to Orlando, was how good of a school that they have for Jacob. Miller's going to be a rock star, and Renee's going to hold it down. But what's going to go on with the rest of the family? So it was good to catch up with Joe. See him in Las Vegas. I never expected to see him there. He's usually in Australia at this point of the offseason. And that's beside the basketball that you actually get to watch. Right? I was in the building for Victor Wembanyama's second game, and it delivered. He was spectacular. He had people on their feet during warm-ups. He had the entire building filled. Like This is a credit to the marketing machine that Warren Legary and Albert Hall have done because they've made an event where it is box office, where he matches up the one versus the two, the two versus the three. The matchups are perfect for casual basketball fans, any basketball fan, to go out and watch the Stars of Tomorrow early on. That's exactly what Victor was. He had a one-pivot dunk over someone that proved why he was the number one overall pick. And I love that he already has haters, and I love that they're Britney stands as well. Because that's what good players have. They have detractors. They have people who don't believe in them. And now Victor has entire sect of popular music fans against him. But it was a spectacle. He's dribbling at the top of the key. It's not going to be as muddled in my imagination when he actually plays NBA basketball because the spacing will be better. The players he'll be alongside on the floor will be better. But just the idea of his defensive impact 
He was blocking shots, deterring people from the rim. He blocked a three-pointer. He is unreal. And it was a perfect bounce-back game from that first one. The first one I was watching on ESPN, and as much as they're trying to grind out content of Victor's first 10 minutes on the floor, it's rebounds, it's blocks, it's defense. It's not the stuff that you were billed to see when you think Victor Wembanyama. So I'm glad he had the bounce back. It was fun to be in the building. The basketball's good. And the basketball for the Jazz was incredible. 4-0 start, making it to the semifinals. No ring. They don't get to the championship game. But they do see one of their first-round picks perform at a huge level. 33 points in the first game. 26 points in the second. So terrible that he goes down in that third game with the ankle injury. But for all the hype that you were buying after the first outing, he continued it in the second. His mentality's perfect. His scoring at three levels is exceptional. He gets to his spots. He was shooting a great percentage from three. I think it was close to 40% during this summer league. And talking to NBA players who were there, they were impressed too. They take notice of his game and what he's able to do. Cox Pavilion was filled with NBA guys for that second game. Reggie Jackson put his name on it. He was doing things that was impressing everybody. And impressed the Jazz. Because eventually, I'm sure they anticipate him being a lead guard. He's going to have the ball in his hands. He's going to have to make those passing decisions. He averaged six assists this summer league. He was very impressive passing the ball. He's going to have a chance to be the number one eventually. And he's going to do it differently than Mike Conley had in the past. He isn't that throwback organizer, pass-first player. He's a combo. He can score. He can get his own. But that's not to say that he doesn't have the skills to organize a ball club. Because that's what he did with the Summer League team. And they played really, really, really well. Beyond him, Ochai Baji. Second-year guys need to show that they're at the top of the Summer League roster. They're at the top of players on the floor. I thought Ochai showed that. He impacts the game defensively. He was playing more of the point. They were asking him to facilitate, initiate offense. He was tested to do more. As far as looking good and looking like someone who can play on an NBA floor, he's that. It's what you want to see from second-year players. They need to be out there and show that they're cut above. And Ochai showed that. Luka Shamanich, he finally gets into the system. He comes in late last season, 10-day signee. He barely knows his teammates. Now he knows his teammates. He knows how to play within the system. They look comfortable. He might be a player that makes a roster. Micah Potter, what carries over from your Stars experience? He can shoot the ball a little bit. 20 in the final game. He's spacing to the corner. He's rebounding. He's being very vocal. That's the thing that I keyed in on when I'm watching him in Cox Pavilion. Closed quarters. It's a high school gym. And you're hearing him communicate, do the things as an older player that need to happen in summer league. And so he's carrying over what he learned with the stars. Johnny Juzang, how have you grown from last year's summer league? I remember him taking big shots last season. And now he's doing that and also being asked to do more. 
He gets to bring the ball up the floor. He gets to pass it a little bit. And he had his moments. His were later. But he has a little bit of a dynamic game. Joey Hauser, who's on a two-way with the Stars, he's a prospect. He needs that time down there. He needs to get up to NBA physicality. He needs to learn NBA defense. But the shooting stands out as his NBA skill. And then the guys who aren't on NBA contracts but were fun to watch in Summer League, like Tavion Kinsey, whew, he knows how to play the game. He had a pass out to Micah Potter in the Rockets game that shows, one, not out there to get his own, but two, like willing to find good shots even in this weird Summer League setting. Kishan Justice, kind of a dog. Love the way that he plays defense. Fierce, competitor, willing to make plays. This was a very entertaining summer league. I think back to the very first one that I covered, which was George Niang, blowout, being the best player on the floor for the Jazz. That's how much fun I was having out here. This was a great summer league for Utah. To see Keontae George out there performing, even though you didn't have Taylor Hendricks and Bryce Sensabaugh, your first-round pick was on display, and people were talking about him. People were buying into the hype. It was an event. And now his next opportunity will be in training camp for him and the other draft picks. It's a bummer they weren't able to play, but I bet they'll get their opportunity next year. And I'm sure if they don't have full jazz rotation minutes, they'll be seeing Steve Wojciechowski with the Salt Lake City Stars. And they've got time to grow. Final tidbit on 2024. Because you have an opportunity to talk about next year's draft with this year's class right in front of you. I asked someone about 2024, and they said that that crop of one-and-dones in college doesn't have a player who would go in the top five this year. And I love that response because I can't wait to ask that person next season what it's like, like in March, what the draft's like. Because I anticipate they might be liking the draft a little bit more. It happens all the time. We're looking far out. Everybody hates the draft. And then when they get there, there are actually some players here in the second round. But it's projection. Stonks. This is projecting human performance of a 19-year-old. Good luck with that. Five stars. Nice reviews. That's all I ask of you. Let others know that you're listening to the podcast. It's called Round Ball Roundup. Let's wrap up Summer League with someone who is calling games down there for ESPN. He's on college game day. He's covering the college angle of this. He covered the draft on the radio. You know him from the mothership. It's ESPN's Seth Greenberg on Roundball Roundup on utahjazz.com. When it comes time to move, it's always a hassle. Loading everything in the truck, hoping the priceless antique from your mother doesn't break, and trying to juggle the kids and dog in the middle of it all is enough to drive anyone crazy. But it doesn't have to be that way. The friendly, background-checked movers at Bailey's Moving and Storage have the expertise to move your family across town or even around the world. So when it's time to move, think Bailey's Moving and Storage. Call today at 801-218-2640 or check them out online at baileysallied.com. How much stock do you take in what he was able to do and what anyone's able to do at Vegas Summer League? 
I don't put a whole lot of stock in the summer league. I mean, you're playing against a bunch of guys that are probably not going to be in the league, but I put a lot of stock in my eyes when I watched him at Baylor. I had a chance to watch him practice a number of times. I had a chance to watch him play in person, besides obviously probably watching 20 to 25 of their games. And uh, Keontae George was the same guy in summer league that he was to me in terms of potentially uh, all season long. Look, he's a big physical guard. I think the one thing people didn't realize about him, he's a very good passer. He's got a very good feel to see plays early. Uh, you're only as good as your ability to see plays before they happen, as they develop, as you're basically reading the floor. We know we can score. We know we can shoot it. Uh, we know he's got that big physical body. Got to commit himself defensively a little bit. Uh, and I think that's for all young players. It has nothing to do with college and NBA. It has to do with uh, role, you know, role. I mean, like, uh, he's got to understand in the end, the teams that play in the end, can check people. That's just the way it is. So the Utah wants to get better. You know, say the same thing goes for Bryce Sansabog, to be honest with you. If teams want to get better, uh, you know, to win playoff games, when you're playing guys, you know, every other day and you're giving and taking away and deciding what you're going to give and take away, you've got to be locked in defensively. You got to be competitive defensively. But uh Keontae George, what I saw of him during the summer league was basically what I saw of him when I watched him practice with the Baylor team. So I think he's a really special talent. And explain how good that Baylor team is. Cause he was in a, a really good backcourt with Flagler, with Cryer. Like that's a good team that he was on and taking this step up in competition. There's something to say about what he was already playing with at Baylor. Yeah. Look, those guards were really good. Flagler could really shoot it. Cryer could create and, and get to a spot. Uh, and Scott goes good. One thing about Scott, he does a great job of teaching those guys how to play out of ball screens. He's also got to teach. It does a great job of teaching those guys floaters and runners and, and and things like that. It gives them a lot of freedom. They play with really good spacing, Baylor. I mean, Baylor plays with terrific spacing. So understanding spacing, understanding playing off ball screens, understanding moving to open areas, understanding uh, the, having the freedom to push, read advantage, disadvantage, drags, all the things you're going to see that. Kante George does in the NBA. He's done that to some extent with with Baylor. And, and that's, you know, I get a kick out of it. People say, oh, overtime elite, you know, and G League Ignite. Now, college coaches do a great job coaching their guys and holding them accountable and uh, you know, putting them in an environment where they can grow, develop, mature. So uh, I think Kante really matured over the course of the year. How different is this development cycle that you see with players coming to the league now with overtime elite, with G League, other opportunities that they can go down rather than just the college route. Look, if, if you know if you don't want to go to college, don't go to college. But uh, here's my concern, and and it's a big concern. No matter what the basically the vehicle is, if you don't go to college or step on a campus and you don't make it, where do you go back to? You go to G League night, you don't make it. Where do you go back to? You go to overtime elite, you don't make it. Where do you go back to? I know one thing, if you don't make, make it coming out of college, that college is going to bring you right back. But you've got a support system. You're going to have a chance to graduate. You're going to have a group of people that will help you grow, mature, develop, uh, you know, help build a bridge for you to cross. Now, look, I mean, look, there have been great stories on, on G League night. The Thompson Twins, uh, you know, obviously played off overtime elite to, a, you know, a, what is it, four, a four and five. So, you know, that's great. But it's not about those guys. It's about the others. And the others, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And then the other thing is, 
the league you're talking about, the league that you guys represent, that's the most exclusive club in the world. And I know they're adding roster spots in two ways and all that jazz, but it's the most exclusive club in the world. It's not for everyone. And going overseas is not for everyone. So uh, it, it's interesting, but there are more, there are more uh, avenues uh, to work your way into the league. But I, I'm just biased. I, I just get, get it, it infuriates me when people don't understand how hard coaches, college coaches work with their players in player development, in concept development, in understanding, embracing and champion roles, how much they talk to their players about the NBA is a league of superstars and then a league of guys that are superstars in their role. So uh, it's going to be interesting to watch, but there are surely more avenues and uh to get to where you want to go but there's still only a certain number of spots and there are only a certain number of players who get to play exactly the way that they want to play and those are the super duper stars and then everybody has has to be that star in their role because they're you're fitting around the star on the team it's very different than just rolling the ball out there and letting talent go out that's not how people play no, that's not how people play, and you better champion your role, and you better un- and then you better em- embrace your role because, look, guys make a lot of money. Grant Williams just signed what fifty-two, fifty-three million dollars. He didn't get in half of the final games, but he has a role. I coached Dorian Finney-Smith. Dorian Finney-Smith is made a to- ton of money being able to defend, rebound, be a ball mover, and make corner threes. And if you look at the league and you look at these contracts now. You know, being a role player is a pretty good thing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Raise your kids to be role players. Now, let me tell you about First Colony Mortgage. They've been serving the lending needs of Utah for more than 35 years. As a mortgage banker, First Colony Mortgage offers advantages over other lenders. Not only do they process mortgages, they also underwrite fund and close mortgage loans all in-house their expert team is ready to help you with your home financing needs just check them out first colony mortgage the official mortgage lender of the utah jazz Taylor Hendricks, somebody out of UCF, had a big freshman year, didn't play in summer league, but what can fans expect from him here at the next level? You know, a, a stretch four or a three, a guy could play both positions, can really shoot it, a guy that's really good at pick and pops, play out of short rolls, knock down corner threes. I think he's going to be a very good defender. He's kind of a better rim protector in a lot of ways than he is maybe on the perimeter yet, but I think he'll be switchable. Uh but got beautiful stroke, young, uh, just still learning how to play, but a, an incredible upside. Uh, uh, but a guy, you know, let's face it, he's playing against a guy that was what, one of the most pro players in the league in Larry Marketing. So, I mean, you know, he's going to be able to, again, what's his role going to be? He's going to probably be, if he gets in rotation, what, a 12, 15-minute player maybe? Yep. So he will learn to adjust but he's got a really he's got a really interesting upside very humble kid and uh i think uh a kid that will 
will do well. I mean, I, 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 I'm a little bit of a jazz fan because I had Brian Russell at Long Beach State, who had a great career, obviously, for the jazz. And Jordan did push off, by the way. <laughs> Where were you watching that game? I was watching my house. I actually spoke to Brian right after the game. And uh, I told him, I said, look, coach, put you on the best player in the world. That says it all. And it was a foul in my eyes. There are some Wi-Fi passwords around the Delta Center that are Jordan pushed off. So I think other people agree yeah. with you. Taylor Hendricks discussing how he might not get that playing opportunity. He'll get opportunities in, with the Salt Lake City Stars, with their G League program, because that's what happened with Ochai Abaji before he was on the big club and playing big minutes for the Jazz. How do you see players accepting going down to the G League, which I imagine isn't how they envision their NBA a career going? That's okay. They go from flying in charters and eating at Ruth Chris to you know, bags fly free, playing in front of no one, and playing with a bunch of adults. I think you got to find. A, I think coaching stuff. You got to find a lot. It's got to be the individual, and you got to find the right balance. Because you send a guy down there for for a long period of time, that's not healthy. It's not healthy. Uh, he he can learn as much being with the main club and not getting as many minutes. I think you you, you can be, do it sporadically, but. Uh, and look, you're paying them a lot of money. You can do whatever you want. But I think that when it's first round draft choice, you've got to kind of, there's got to be some type of give and take in that situation uh, because, you know, it's a culture shock to these kids. And uh, it's it's almost like being sent down to the minors, obviously, in, in Major League Baseball. So I, I think that you've got to find a balance. Oshai is a unique kid. He's a mature kid. He's a Difference between being a four-year guy, if I'm not mistaken, Oshai yep. is, to being a 19-year-old. You put 19-year-olds with kids, with men, I mean, that are ready to, they just want, you know, here's a 19-year-old making a ton of money, where a lot of those guys in the G League aren't making any money. And you got to find that balance, I think. How have you seen drafting change from where it was four-year players? The futures to market. Exactly, yeah. Futures. Futures market. That's what it is. The draft is futures market. Yeah, because it's it's not just their skill set. It's it's their mental state. It's their competitive spirit. It's their ability to deal with adversity. It's their ability to deal with disappointment. Now, I have a saying, adversity visits the strong and lives with the weak. And is that person strong enough to deal with the adversity of, hey, this is hard? Because it, it's no different than when a kid comes from high school to college. Kids in high school watch college basketball think it's easy. You know what I mean? And, oh, yeah, I can do that. And the parents do, too. And the reality is it's hard. And very few master it in one year. But the NBA draft is a futures market. Europe is about producing. Because if you don't produce, you get sent home and you don't get a check. So, you know, there, there are pluses minus to everything. But you got to find a balance. Bryce Sensabaugh out of Ohio State, his elite skill scoring and then defense he'll need to improve on at the yeah, NBA level. Yeah, three-level score, legit three-level score with a big body. Got to get in world-class shape. I think that's the biggest thing. He's got to get in world-class shape. But, I mean, the dude is a bucket. I mean, he's a bucket. I mean, he'll be he'll go in the NBA and he'll be able to score points. I mean, he just has the ability to, you know, he's got, he can shoot to the three, he can back you down, you can play him off a mid-post, you can kind of inside screen with a, you know, with a guard, like a guard-guard screen, I think it'll be really, really hard with a one-three like a one three screen where you create that switch uh, or create that indecision and you can attack it. 
just a really good offensive player that's got to learn how to be a winning competitive player. What stood out from Chet Holmgren and his his uh, abilities that he was able to show after one year off? From Chet Holmgren, his abilities that he was able to show after one year off? 12 pounds stronger, playing with a better base, has better feel where his shots are coming from, uh, more comfortable still. You know, the things that you, you know, intrigued you about him is his ability to cover ground. I, I call it defensive range. He's got great defensive range to contest shots. Um, you know, can play off ball screens and pick and pop short rolls, uh, can advance the ball on defensive rebound, and which, you know, we're seeing a lot in the NBA right now. Uh, you know, whether it's a joker, whether it's bam, or you boom, you, you know, you're, you're literally out letting the ball to big and letting them push it. Now you've got floor gamers and shot makers in the front court that can, can score and make plays, which gives you more options offensively. But uh, just a year older, a year stronger, uh, his game is more mature. He's got to be careful just driving in the middle lane and spinning. Eventually, scatter ports are just going to be sitting in his top, you know, in his pocket. He's got to make quick moves. But I was really – Victor Webinyama and Chet, Chet Holmgren are going to be connected at the hip for the next 10 years. You know, obviously, Victor's, you know, 7-5 with an 8-foot wing foot span. Chet's 7-1 with, a, a, I think, a 7-8 or 7-7 wing span. But their games are very similar. Their, their skill set is well ahead of their bodies. As your bodies catch up to their skill set, you're going to see two, you know, guys that are going to impact the game for the league for a really long time. So, you know, both of them, uh, I think Chet's ahead of Victor uh, in terms of being able to play every night, being you know, maybe playing more minutes, but uh, and 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 on a team that's I think one maybe the most talented young team in the league. How would you describe the energy in the building for a Victor Wembanyama game? Because I was only there for the second one, but the first one looked pretty electric as well. No, it's great. Look, it, it's, you know, it's the uncertain, you know, people want to see, well, who is this guy? You know, you know, you know, LeBron calls him an alien. Some people call him a unicorn. Ridiculously skilled. Um, people just, they were rooting for him. It was that, I think that was the coolest thing. They were legitimately rooting for him. They didn't know him. But here's the thing. He comes off as such a likable young man. So well-versed, so well-spoken, so humble, so real, so genuine. Uh, he's easy to like. Even Britney Spears likes him. I don't know if he likes him now. She likes him now. No. Well, yeah. Everything is temporary in life. <laughs> How'd you like his bounce back after that game one? Well, you know, Spurs have to figure out how to use him. And they, I thought they did a good job with that. I mean, so the second game, he set wide pin downs. People curled. He popped. He got jumpers. Uh, he started the mid post. They drove a baseline. He came behind penetration. He got jumpers. Um, you know, he he was in stagger ball screens as the second ball screener and, and then created space. And he got freed up. So, like, a big thing for, for Victor is uh, you got this unique talent right, with a developing body. All right, how do you use him? He's not going to be banging in the post. So, like, you know, you set him, set him as a screener. You curl him tight. He, he comes behind it. Boom. He can knock down a player or drive a closeout. Uh, you know, you've got to keep bodies off of him because you know, right now bodies will wear him down. So I thought the Spurs did a great job from game one to game two, putting position. I thought the second thing he did better in the second game is, is his rebound range was better. 
uh, he he stood and watched a lot in game one, you know, and maybe that was just a moment. I thought in the, set, the second game, his reaction time uh, was much better. Last thing before I let you go, favorite young cores in the NBA. Where does OKC of- rank? I mean, th- that's a clear one that looks really good. You got Orlando. What are the what's the yeah, best? Yeah, you got young Orlando. Core? You got Houston. Yeah, Houston's got a chance. I mean, when you got Detroit, like OKC, look, Chet, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Josh Giddy. If you just had that, you were fine. But Jalen Williams and Jalen Williams, <clears throat> you know, those guys are really good. Yeah. <clears throat> Case of Wallace is going to be a terrific player. So you've got you've got that core. Look, Cunningham, Durham, Ivy, Stewart, uh, Thompson, and Wiseman. Like that. Like the biggest X factor this year in the NBA is James Wiseman. Because they can play those two bigs together and guard. I'm not sure they can. All right, because in transition, they can guard maybe when they get to a grind, but in transition, they, they had a really hard time getting matched up in defensive transition with the two bigs. But they're good. I mean, Houston, Jalen Green, Tyree Eason, who I absolutely love, Ken Whitmore, who was a steal at 20, Jabari Smith Jr., who took over two games in a row in, in, in the tournament. Uh, you know, Tom Shangoon. Yeah, Shangoon, yeah. Yeah, they've got, you know, they, they've got a, They've got it. And you, look, you, you guys have ha, have a core still younger. That's good. I mean, and, you know, like I'd say self-accept in a conversation when you have Brown and Tatum. I mean, those are going to be two 10-year first or second team NBA players. It's good to have hope. And the Jazz have hope with Walker Kessler, Ochai Abaji, and their crew of three first-round picks. I'm, I'm absolutely a huge fan of Walker Kessler. He's like a human backboard. I was surprised at how impactful he was his first year in the NBA because that's very difficult to do as a big. Yeah, he's got great feet. He's got another guy with very good range and length. And, uh, you know, he can actually step out and shoot a little bit. I, you know, I didn't watch a ton of jazz games. I don't know how much he stepped out, but he can shoot a little bit. And he's he's a great kid. I mean, you know, very you can see he's very comfortable in in his development and where he's at. So I think it's a, it's pretty interesting. Look, the league is a league of young players. I mean, it's just the way it is. The, the, the makeup of the league is, you know, we're going to have a changing of the guard. You know, we see Chris Paul, we see James Harden, we see all this, all this drama with those guys. We split, you know what? You know, LeBron is, what, 39. Chris Paul is 38. Harden is 33. You know, Damian Lillard is third. Those guys can't play forever. And yet someone's going to sign for a contract when they're 37. They're going to make 50 and $60 million that year. All right. They can't play forever. That's just the way it is. So we're going to see, we see in college basketball a little bit in terms of coaches, you're going to see a changing of the guard. You're going to see, you know, new stars emerge and you know, they've got to, that's just, that's just the way it is. League's in good hands though. Yeah. League league is in good hands. As long as these guys become great ambassadors for the game, because uh, we've had great ambassadors. LeBron James is a great ambassador. Chris Paul's a great ambassador. We've got great, we've had great ambassadors for the game of basketball. The Denver Nuggets become um, very, very important because Jamal Murray's still young and Joker's still young. If you look at their core group, and those guys are about one thing winning. And they're not afraid to be coached. When they, when they didn't play well in game two, Michael Malone called them out. Everyone was, oh my God, Michael Malone, what is he going to do? It's called coaching. It's called coaching. Jerry Sloan would have done that 
All right. It's called coaching. You hold people accountable. You're not telling them a lie. You're not going off because you just want to go off. 17 plays. These are unacceptable. If we want to win a championship. This cannot happen. It's called coaching. If this generation allows themselves to be coached and and become the ambassadors that that they had basically witnessed in the veteran players in the league, leagues are great hands. But you know that's that's the challenge for these young players. ESPN's college basketball analyst Seth Greenberg on Round Ball Roundup on UtahJazz.com. Seth, thank you so much for taking the time. My pleasure. That was fun.